verse. Proverbs 11, verse 30. If you don't have a Bible, uh, we'd like to loan you one of ours. You can raise your hand and our ushers will be happy to get you a Bible. I know the scriptures are on the screens up here, but there's just something. I believe there's a blessing that comes from just taking a Bible and opening it up. And reading from it. So uh, if you need a Bible, you don't have one, raise your hand real high and our ushers will be glad to loan you one of ours. We just ask that you'd leave it on the seat after the service so we can use it again next time. Notice the Bible says here in Proverbs 11 and verse 30, The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. See, if you want to be wise, according to God, you'll be somebody who wins souls. Titling this message today, The Soul Winner. The Soul Winner. Notice the amplified version of this. The amplified version of this says, The fruit of the uncompromisingly righteous is a tree of life. And he who is wise captures human lives for God As a fisher of men, he gathers and receives them for eternity. Do you remember when Jesus approached his what would become his disciples? He said, follow me and I'll make you. What did he say? I'll make you what? Fishers of men. He said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You need to understand this and don't ever forget this, that. A person, a Christian, who is following Jesus is going to be a fisher of men, or we could say it this way, is going to be a soul winner. One way to find out if you or I are really following after Jesus is, are we being fishers of men? Are we being soul winners? See, if, if, if soul winning is not the most important thing to you, or, you know what I'm saying? Then it's an indication that you're not following Jesus as you should. If soul winning is not the most important thing to me, then it indicates that I'm not following Jesus as I should. That's an indicator. It's an indicator. It's a good self-test. I remember when I was teaching school, teaching mathematics, the math books would, you know, ever so often after ever so many sections, there'd be a self-test. Well, this is a good self-test. Ask yourself, I ask myself, are we following Jesus? How can we test ourselves? Is soul winning a, a, a high priority in our lives? You see, following Jesus, if you're really following him, if I'm really following him, uh, then soul winning, winning people to Jesus is of utmost important to, uh, uh, importance to us. And the Bible says he who wins souls is what? Is, is wise. He who wins souls is wise. So today being Mission Sunday, it just seemed good to talk about God's favorite and most important subject, which is soul winning. Did you know that God's most favorite subject and most important subject is soul winning? Did you know that soul winning is more important to God than how much money somebody has in their pocket? Did you know that? Did you understand that? See, see, God is more important about soul winning than he is prospering somebody financially. You can always tell a ministry 
if they're following Jesus or not, is how much time do they talk about prosperity and how much time do they talk about soul winning? A ministry that's always talking about, a preacher that's always talking about money, and how to get, get more money and how to get you more money, they've just told me that they're not following Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? But a ministry that's talking about, you know, soul winning, and how can we get more people won to the Lord? Now that ministry is one you want to follow because they've got the right motive. You understand? Their motive is winning souls. That's God's most important subject and it's his most favorite subject. Did you know one reason? Did, did you hear what Pastor Diane just went over with you just, just a few minutes ago? Did you hear? How many heard that? You know? And did you know one reason that this church is totally out of debt and has been for years and is solid financially? Do you know why that is? It's because of what you just heard her talk about for the last five minutes. Did you hear me? Did you hear what I just said? Did you hear that? It's because from day one, when we started this church some 17 years ago, from day one... We always made missions a priority of this ministry. And we've given tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars away over the years to help missionaries around the world. And you see, when you get interested in what's most important to God, then he'll take care of the secondary things like paying off your house or paying off your car or those kinds of things. Did you get what I just said? How many did you get what I just said? How many of you like to be blessed and be have money and, and have all your needs met? How many of you like that? Here's what you do. Don't even don't even don't even talk to God about money. Don't even I, you know what? I've I've never talked to God one time about money concerning this ministry. I've never gone to him. I mean, you hear it up here. We pray a general prayer, but privately, I don't I don't talk to God and ask him, you know, plead with him to meet the you know, to meet the needs. I don't I don't even talk to him about money. Did you hear me? And, I, and we're blessed with money on every side. You know why that is? Because we put the emphasis where it needs to be, not on money. We put it on real loud, say soul winning. Say it again. Soul winning. Helping people. How many of you think it's important that we uh, just bought that uh, air conditioner for that lady in Costa Rica? Is that, that's important, isn't it? And we've helped people. And, and, and when I say we, us as a congregation. See, we've put soul winning and missions at the top of our list. Uh, and, and God has taken care of the, the, the secondary things of meeting our needs. Did you get what I just said? See, what I'm talking about today, if we'll get a hold of it, see, it, it, it can change your life. And God will start meeting your needs like you've never seen him do it before, if you get your priorities right. And the first priority is not how I can get more. The first priority is how can I win somebody to the Lord Jesus? That, 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 that's what it's all about. And when you get your priorities right, then God will start blessing you. And, and it's not just blessing you so you'll have more. It's he blesses you so you can use that, yeah, to live a good life and all that. But it, you can use that then to win more souls. Did you hear what I just said? Did you get that? How many is getting that? You getting that? And soul winning is a subject we could never talk too much about. You need to realize this. 
Soul winning, I believe I'm convinced of it. When, when, a, when a Christian dies, when a Christian dies, the Bible's clear, we're going to uh, uh, appear before the judgment seat of Christ. To, to be judged for what we did in, a, in our bodies here upon the earth as Christians, the Bible says, just listen to this, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. And then the Bible says, if anyone's work which he has built on endures, he'll receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss, but he himself will be saved just as, as so as through the fire. That's the fire of the judgment of God, you see, judging Christians' works. The thing that I believe that's going to come up first when we stand before Jesus and he judges us is I believe the first thing that he's going to talk about is how many souls did we win for, the, for Christ? I believe that's the first thing that's going to come up. That's the thing that he's most interested in. Is how many souls have we won for Christ? Or I'll put it another way. What kind of effort have we made? What kind of effort have we made? How many of you, if you're like me, you haven't got everybody saved that you shared Jesus with? But you got some. Did you make an effort, you see? That's, that's the, the, I'm convinced of it. I've been walking with God since I've been a little kid. I'm con- and studying that holy book since I've been a little kid. And one, I'm convinced of this. The first thing that he's going to talk to us about is, you know, not did we, did, did we cuss or did we not cuss or did we mess up here or did we mess up there? Did we tell a lie here? Did, he's gonna, he's gonna center in on what effort did we make to tell somebody else about Jesus? That's what's going to be first and foremost. Yes, he will judge us in these other areas, but first and foremost is soul winning. Did you know, and, and I won't go into it very deeply here this morning, but did you know when somebody dies without Jesus and they go to hell, you know one of the first things that they want to do once they're in hell? They want to become a soul winner. You can read Luke the 16th chapter and you can see that. That man that died and went to hell. He was a rich man. He died. He went to hell. You know why he went to hell? It's not because he was rich. It's because he lived his life and his money distracted him from the message of the Lord Jesus. He dies and he goes to hell. He's suffering. He's in torments. And you know the first thing he wants to do? He wants to become a soul winner. How many of you know once you're in hell it's too late? Do you know that? It's too late then. Remember he said, to, he said, he said to Abraham, he said, send Lazarus back to my, to my uh, father's house. I have five brothers that, that he might testify to them and that they might repent lest they also come to this place of torment. See, that guy that went to hell, the first thing he wanted to do is he wanted to become a soul winner. I don't know about you, but I don't want to have to go to hell to, to motivate me to become a soul winner. How about you? Why don't we let the Bible motivate us? Wouldn't that be better? And so, you must realize that when we stand before the judgment seat of Christ and he judges us, the first thing I'm convinced that's going to come up is this. Is what have you done, what effort have you made to win souls for the Lord Jesus Christ? You know, I've studied the Bible and I've seen that there's five crowns of reward that God is going to uh, hand out at the judgment seat of Christ. And, and uh, I won't get into the five of them today, but I'll just say this. There's one of the crowns is set aside specifically for soul winning. 
Soul winning. Soul winning. What did you do to tell somebody else about Jesus, you see? I don't know about you, but I'm interested in getting that crown. How about you? Anybody interested in that? Okay. I'll tell you this. Look at Daniel, the 12th chapter and the third verse. Soul winning affects the level of glory of our glorified bodies. You know, one of these days, Jesus is going to come back. And the Bible says that we're going to get a glorified body. And and you can read, I believe it is in uh, 1 Corinthians 15th chapter. You can go there sometime and, and look and you can see that uh, our glorified bodies are going to have different levels of glory. Different levels of glory. Just like have you ever looked at the stars at night and some stars are brighter than others? Well, our glorified bodies are going to be in the same way. Uh, and it's clear from 1 Corinthians 15 that our, our bodies, our glorified bodies, are going to have different levels of glory about them. And in Daniel 12 and 3, we'll see, we'll see uh, what we can do to cause our glorified bodies to, to, to shine like the stars, you know. Notice Daniel 12, 3. Those who are wise... Those who are wise. Now, what do we just read about the person that wins souls? The person that wins souls, first scripture we had today. Does anybody remember? He that wins souls is what? Is what? He that wins souls is wise. Then the Bible says here, those who are wise. Or we could say it this way. Those who are soul winners shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. So I don't think folks think too much about eternity. I think folks get too distracted and think too much about the here and the now. How many of you know the here and the now is going to be gone just like that? Is that right? But eternity is forever. And we ought to be thinking about things now that are going to affect us for eternity. And I'd like to shine like the brightness of the stars for eternity, wouldn't you? Well, then get busy soul winning. Because when you're soul winning, you're wise. And when you're wise, uh, the Bible says here, you're going to shine like the brightness of the firmament. Amen. So be a soul winner. I want to say it again. Notice Matthew 4.19. I said it earlier, but it bears repetition. Go to Matthew 4.19. Let's see if you got it before you even get to the scripture. The Christian following Christ is first and foremost a what? A a what? A what? Okay, a soul winner. The person who is who is following Jesus is going to be a soul winner. Now look at Matthew 4:19. He said to them, "Follow me, and I'll make you what? Fishers of men." So are you following Jesus today? Are you following him? What kind of effort have you made to tell other people about Jesus? You know, one of the uh, best soul winners in all the Bible that, I, that I've seen is the Apostle Paul. How many of you remember the Apostle Paul? You've, he, God used him to write nearly two-thirds of the New Testament. But do you know that, that 
there was something more important to him than him saying, you know, I've been used to write two-thirds of the New Testament. You know what was more important to him? I mean, don't you think it'd be an honor to be used to write two-thirds of the New Testament? That'd be an honor. But you know something that, that was more important to him than that was soul winning. The Apostle Paul, everywhere that man went... It didn't matter what the situation was. He, his first and foremost thing that was on his mind was soul winning. Notice Acts the ninth chapter and the 20th verse. Acts 9 and 20. Turn there. Because you see, before he became the apostle Paul, he was Saul of Tarsus. He he was against Christians. He was against Jesus Christ. He went around persecuting the church. He, he would hold people's coats while, while other people that he was holding their coats would beat Christians up and, 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 and kill them. He would have Christians put in jail and all of this, you know. But, but thank God that he got saved one day. And God used him greatly. It's interesting in Acts, the ninth chapter and the 20th verse, if you read the context of it, you see this is just immediately after, just, just within days of, of, of Saul getting saved and becoming Paul. Notice what he did immediately after he got saved. Acts 9.20, immediately, what did he do? He preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now that's important because you need to realize this. A lot of times people think that you have to be a preacher and stand in a pulpit to share Jesus with somebody. Now, you, you, a lot of times people think, well, I need to have a whole lot of training before I can share Jesus with somebody. Listen to this. The Apostle Paul did not start out as a preacher, as a minister right away. It took years and years for God to, 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 to shape him and, and, and do some things in him before he was ready to operate as a minister that stood behind a pulpit. That does take training for that. But the thing of it is, it doesn't take any training to become a soul winner and tell other people about the Lord Jesus. Did you hear what I just said? I said, did you hear what I just said? Amen. It doesn't take a lot of time. See, it took a lot of years for God to train Paul to get him to where he could stand behind a pulpit like this and preach. But but it, but it didn't take any time for him to be able to become a soul winner. Didn't take any time at all. All he did was start telling people about Jesus. Do you know the moment you get saved that right shortly after that you can become a soul winner and tell somebody else what Jesus did for you? Can you say amen? Just tell somebody about the goodness that God has done for you. See, immediately after he got saved, he began to preach Christ that he is the Son of God. Notice in 1 Corinthians 9, 19. 1 Corinthians 9, 19. Very interesting here. And this bears what I just said a moment ago. That you see the thing that was on Paul's heart more than anything else was what can I do? He was consumed with it. What can I do? What can I do to share Jesus with somebody else? Notice if you would 1 Corinthians 9.19. Notice this. Paul is speaking here and he says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. That word win there, he's talking about winning the lost to Jesus. That's what he's talking about. 
For though I am free from all, hey, I'm a Christian, I'm free, I can, you know, I can, I have a free will, I can do whatever, but I shouldn't sin. But you know what? He said, I made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Win them to the Lord. Notice as we read on. He says, to the Jews I became a Jew that I might win the Jews. What that means is, is, of course, Paul understood the Jews. He was one. And so he would think of ways that he could relate to the Jews to share Jesus with them. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. See, so those, those who were under the law, he tried to understand some things about them that he might share Jesus with them and get them saved. Then notice verse 21. To those who are without law... As without law, not being without law toward God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. See, the people who weren't under the law, he tried to figure out ways that he could minister Jesus to them. Then he says in verse 22, to the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men, that I might by all means save Now, save what? Now, come on, pay attention. Save what? Save what? Save some. Now, now here's what you got to get out of this. Paul, when he went into a situation, he did everything he could to try to understand the people that he was going to be talking to or dealing with so that there was some way that he could relate to them so that he could share the good news of Jesus Christ with them. He became all things to all men that by all means he might win or save some. Did you know that Paul didn't get everybody saved that he shared Jesus with? Did you know that? He didn't get them all saved. A lot of times some of them that he shared Jesus with, they beat him up. Did you hear me? How many has ever got beaten up because you shared Jesus with somebody? I never have. But he has, and he did many times. And he kept right on going, and kept right on going, and kept right on going, sharing Jesus, sharing Jesus. And when he'd go into a situation, I want to say it again, he'd try to figure out, you know, even before he got there, even before he'd get somewhere, he'd try to figure out, now, I'm going to be going in front of this group of people, I need to figure out how can I relate to them in such a way that I can share Jesus with them, you see. You understand that? And that's what the man did. And that's what he did. And he didn't get them all saved. He just got some of them saved. But isn't some better than none? Isn't it for sure that if we never share Jesus with anybody, we're never going to get anybody saved? Is that right? But wouldn't it be good just to get, wouldn't one be better than none? Huh? So do what you can. Do the best you can. And I believe God will honor that. So he became all things to all men that he might by all means save some. Notice Acts 17.22. Let's look at this. Acts 17.22. Let's go there and I'll show you this. Because I think we can learn from from Paul. We can learn. Look, look, I'm not giving you an old stuffy sermon here today. I'm talking to you about the thing that's most important to God. It's soul winning. I'm talking to you about the thing today, if you'd put it first and foremost in your life and make it your highest priority, God will meet all your needs, bless God. Did you hear what I'm saying to you? So, so, so this is one of the most important messages you could ever hear. 
Notice Acts 17, 22. Then Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus, or however you say that, and said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious. Now, he's before this group, but look what he did before he ever got in front of them. Look at verse 23. For as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you worship without knowing him I proclaim to you. What did he do here? He walked through a place. He knew he was going to be talking to a certain group of people. He walked through the place. And rather than going in there and being critical and criticizing and, 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 and saying, you know, you're doing everything wrong. You're stupid. You're dumb. Blah, blah, blah. He didn't do that. He looked for ways that he could relate to these people who were lost and undone without Jesus. He looked for something. He considered the objects of their worship. And then in a respectful way, he, he, he related the, related to them so that he could share Jesus with them. Do you know I've had to learn this over the many years? Being critical is not the way to get people saved. Did you hear what I just said? And beating people over the head is not the way to get them saved. Now, if somebody's into false doctrine, I've learned this. Beating them over the head is not the way to get them out of it. The way to get them out of it is to lovingly share the truth with them. Did you know that truth dispels error? And I've had to learn this. Has anybody in here ever had to learn something over the years? And I had to learn that. When I was younger, I thought, well, we'll just beat it over the head. We'll just be critical and beat it over the head. And I wasn't really being critical because I wanted to be. I just thought that was the way to do it. Just beat somebody over the head. I've learned. I've mellowed out a lot over the years. Beating people over the head is, is all you're going to do is put knots on their head. Is that right? How many of you know if a dog came around, every time he came around, you kick it after a while, it's not going to come around anymore. Is that right? So, 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 you know, you, you never, you never go along with somebody's false doctrine. You never, you never buddy up with that. You never concede to that. But you don't have to beat them up. You, you share the love of God and you share the truth of the word with them, you see. But before Paul ever got there, he was looking for ways that he could share Jesus with them. He was looking for things that they did, things that they understood. And how can I take those things and relate Jesus with them? And that's what we all ought to be doing in our everyday lives is, 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 you know, whether it's at work or in your neighborhood or whatever, wherever it is you go, what is it that I can do? How can I relate to somebody in such a way that I can share Jesus with him? You know, the Apostle Paul one day was up before King Agrippa. He before a king. He had an audience before a king. Actually, Paul was in, in prison, but or in captivity, but they brought him before a king. And did you know what Paul did when he stood before King Agrippa? Do you know what he tried to do? Anybody know what he tried to do? He tried to get King Agrippa saved. 
You know what? You know what the Apostle Paul would do if he went into the if he had an if do you know what the Apostle Paul would do today if he was here on the earth? He's in heaven now. But if he was here on the earth and he got invited to the White House and, and he had an audience with the current president that we have, you know what he tried to do? He would try to get that man saved. Did you hear what I just said? I said he'd try to get him saved. Did you know that if, if he had an audience with the Senate, with the Congress, you know what he would do? He would not be interested in going in there and getting his political agenda through. Do you know what Paul would do? He would stand before the, the House and the Senate, and you know what he would do? He would take the Word of God in, and he'd try to, to do, take whatever he could to relate to them and get them all what? Get them all saved. Because that was the most important thing to him. And you know what? He wouldn't get them all saved. But he'd get some. Hear what I just said? He'd get some. And he was before the king, King Agrippa. And you know, after Paul got done because he understood some things about the king, he knew that the king was a Jew and he related some things that he would understand. And, and he was very, Paul was very good at what he shared with the king. You can read it sometime in Acts, the 26th chapter. And he shared with King Agrippa and, 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 and he, and he confronted him with some things in the love of God, but he was bold and he confronted him. And Agrippa said this. He said this to, to, to Paul. He said, Paul, you almost persuade me to become a Christian. You know, almost isn't good enough. I don't want to be almost persuaded. You want to get all the way in. Amen? He almost persuaded the king. But you know what? Paul evidently didn't get King Agrippa saved, but he gave it his best shot, didn't he? And you know what? He didn't get that, man, that king saved as far as I can tell. But he went on. Paul went right on winning souls. Right on telling, telling as many people as he could. He didn't get them all, but he got some. Amen. Look at Acts, the 16th chapter and the 25th verse. Let's go there. Acts, the 16th chapter and 25th verse. How many of you know that Paul, when he stood before the king, he tried to get the king saved? How many of you know what Paul did when he went to jail? Does anybody know what Paul did when he went to jail? He tried to get people what? Try to get him saved. He got a lot of people saved in prison. He got a lot of people saved in prison. And I don't even have, I mean, time to go into it all. All the people he got saved in prison. I mean, that is a captive audience. If you don't laugh at that, then I can't. You're just not even there. A captive audience. Are you all sleeping? Look at Acts 16.25. A lot of times we read this story and we center in on the earthquake and we center in on, on all this other stuff, which is good. But I want to center in on something here that we don't talk about as much as we should, but it's been right there in front of us all the time, I believe. Acts 16.25. Remember Paul had just cast a demon out of a fortune teller. How many remembers that? Cast a demon out of a fortune teller. I've cast a few demons out of some people in here over the years. It has happened. I won't get into all of that. But he cast a demon out of a fortune teller. And uh, people that were using this fortune teller to make money, they got mad at Paul and some things happened and Paul and Silas wound up in jail. How many of you know you can serve God and do the right thing and wind up in jail? Is that right? And at midnight, Paul and Silas 
were notice. Now, now, if you did something good for God and wound up in jail at midnight, would you be grumbling and complaining? I might be. But Paul and Silas weren't. What were they doing? They were praying and singing hymns to God. And here's what you need to get. The prisoners were what? Were what? Listening to them. I wonder if they'd have been in there grumbling and complaining. What kind of a testimony that would have been to the prisoners. I wonder has my grumbling and complaining ever caused somebody to not hear the gospel and go to die and go to hell. Has your grumbling and complaining ever caused somebody to not hear the gospel, die and go to hell? I wonder if there's ever been anybody that's gone out to to the restaurant on a Sunday morning after the service and they sat there at the restaurant and is talking bad about the pastor and so on of the church and the waitress or the waiter didn't get to hear the gospel Because those Christians were sitting there talking bad about the pastor instead of sitting there talking good about Jesus. I wonder if any waiters or waitresses have ever died and went to hell because they got to hear a bunch of grumbling and complaining instead of a bunch of Christians sitting there giving glory to God. Wouldn't it be better to follow Christ? See, people that sit there, I'm talking Christians now that sit there at restaurants and they talk bad about folks and they talk bad about fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord and they talk bad about the pastor and bad about the church and they're just, they're just running their mouths and they're always down and talking bad. I'll tell you that they might be saved, but I tell you what, they're sure not following Jesus. And what kind of a witness is that to the waiters and the waitresses? I tell you, somebody's grumbling and complaining at a restaurant's probably put some waiters and waitresses in hell over the years because they didn't get to hear the good news of Jesus. Oh, let's be different here at Summit Church. Let's be different here. I believe we are different here. I believe we are. Amen. Now, when you go out to eat, sit there, and even if you don't like me, just do something good for God. Don't talk bad about me. Talk good about Jesus. Amen. And guess what? That waiter or waitress hear you walking by and hear you saying something good, hear you talking about the Lord, hear you up instead of down. And guess what? They might come over and ask you, why are you always full of joy and happy and why is that? I remember when I used to teach school, I had students come to me more than once and say, Pastor, or they didn't say Pastor Terry, they Mr. Shield. Mr. Shield, we don't hear you talking, uh, grumbling about the, 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 the school and grumbling about your work schedule. And gr- you don't grumble. Some of these other teachers, all they're doing, they all grumble and going on. We don't hear you grumble. Why is that? I told them it's because Jesus. Amen. You get people saved that way. Just don't be a grumbler. You know, just not being a grumbler can be a good testimony to the Lord. Amen. Am I stepping on somebody's toes? Well, you've got them out there. I'll step on them. Amen. And Jesus will heal them, won't he? But they were, what were they doing? They were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Did you know there's people listening to you and watching you you don't even know? You young people, I want to tell you something right now. There's people at your school, they're watching you and paying attention to you, and you don't even know that they're doing it. There's teachers paying attention to you and watching you, and you don't even know it. And just you being... Being a good witness for the Lord Jesus, I tell you what, that can have a a big impact on folks for the good. 
The prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken immediately. All the doors were opened. And everyone's chains were what? What? Everyone's chains. Now, it, look, let's, this is not a hard question. This is not a hard question. Let me ask you a question. If a prisoner is in prison and their chains are loosed, what do you think they're going to try to do? They're going to try to what? They're going to try to escape, aren't they? Well, these prisoners' chains were loosed. The keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep, seeing the prison door. Oh, and the prison doors. Wait a minute. The prison doors were what? They were open. So you got prisoners, their chains are loosed and the doors are open. What are prisoners going to do? They're going to what? They're going to go, aren't they? Aren't they? Their chains are loose. The keeper of the prison, waking from sleep, seeing the doors open, supposing that he, look, he was a smart man. He was supposing the prisoners had what? Had, had fled. Wouldn't that make sense? Drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Why was that? Because he knew if he lets the prisoners escape on his watch, they're going to put him to death. So he's going to just go ahead and just just end his life. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, Do yourself no harm, for we are all what? We're all here. Why do you think they was all still there? It's because Paul had gotten them all saved. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? He's in there at midnight. He did something good for God. He's in jail. So he's going to use that as an opportunity to share Jesus. So at midnight, he's singing hymns and praising God. And the prisoners were listening. And evidently, they got saved. And you see, saved men, when they get loose, they're not going to, they're not going to run. They're not going to run off. Paul got them all saved. Can you say amen? Glory to God. That excites me. He said, we're all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, notice what this, notice what this jailer said. He asked the question of the ages. Sir, what must I do to be saved? And notice, see, Paul, Paul was in jail, but it's all about salvation. Wherever he went, it was all about getting people saved. It didn't matter if he was talking to a king or if he was in prison with a bunch of uh, prisoners. It was all about getting people saved. And here the jailer says, what must I do to be saved? And Paul and Silas says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your household. Can you say amen? So we just want to win some. We just want to win some. Now, in this case, it looks like Paul got them all saved. But you can study his life. He didn't get them all saved. Go to John 137 as I begin to close this up. I'm going to close the message here. But I want you to go to John 137. Winning some. Now, he went to jail and got them all saved, evidently. But he didn't always get them all saved. You can read that. He didn't get them all saved. Just win some. Just win some. John 137. The two disciples heard him speak, John the Baptist speak, and they followed Jesus. Now look at this. This is talking about the context here is these were evidently disciples of John the Baptist. John said to them, behold, the Lamb of God, behold, Jesus, who takes away the sin of the world. And so they left John and they followed Jesus. Realize, say they followed. Say it again. They followed Jesus. Now, what happens when you follow Jesus? You become a what? A a what? You become a what? You become a soul winner. 
If you're not, if you're not a soul winner, then you're not following Jesus. You might be saved, but you're not following Jesus. They followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. That was about the tenth hour. One of the, now watch this. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Now what do people do that follow Jesus? They become a soul winner. They, 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 they get people saved, don't they? Look what Andrew does here. He first found his own, what? His own Brother Simon said to him, we found the Messiah. So he preached Jesus to him, which is translated Christ. And he brought, he brought Peter, Simon, he brought him to who? Who did he bring him to? Jesus. Are you getting what I'm trying to say to you? He followed, didn't he? Jesus, he became a soul winner and he brought his brother, just one person, he brought him to Jesus and when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which means a stone and so on and so forth. But how many of you know that Andrew brought one person? You know, I've heard a lot of people say, you know what? You know what? I, 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 I've, only, I've only won one person to the Lord. Well, that sure does beat none, doesn't it? But you know that one. Now, listen to me now. That one person that you bring to Jesus could make all the difference in the world. How many of you know Peter did something for Jesus, didn't he? Now, come on, folks. Say, I'm listening. Did Peter do something for Jesus? Yeah, but where did it all start? It all started with his brother bringing Peter to Jesus. Is that right? Now, is that correct? So he brings his brother and Peter gets saved and becomes, you know, he, he becomes a Christian. And what happens on the day of Pentecost? Peter preaches and 3,000 people get saved. Is that right? I said 3,000 people get saved. Is that right? So with what Andrew did, he brought one person to Jesus and that one person later wins multitudes to the Lord. Is that right? And this makes me think, listen as I close, this makes me think of one of the greatest soul winners of all time. Edward Kimball, a Sunday school teacher. Real out, say, a Sunday school teacher. A Sunday school teacher. He was one of the greatest soul winners of all time. His name is Edward Kimball. He was a Sunday school teacher. Listen to this. Edward Kimball was Dwight L. Moody's Sunday school teacher. He showed interest in young Dwight. Edward Kimball shared the love of Jesus with Dwight L. Moody and was instrumental in leading Dwight Moody to Jesus Christ. Now, what did Dwight Moody go on to do? He was one of the greatest evangelists of the 19th century, reaching multiplied thousands for Jesus, not to mention uncounted thousands of illiterate people with special outreach materials. Now, listen to this. Moody's ministry eventually affected J. Wilbur Chapman. Chapman reaffirmed reaffirmed his salvation under Moody's ministry. Listen to what J. Wilbur Chapman did for 
for Jesus. He was an urban evangelist, holding several meetings throughout a city simultaneously, thereby reaching more people and stirring more hearts to enter into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. These outreaches expanded into Australia, the Philippines, Hong Kong, China, Korea, Japan, Scotland, Ireland, India, and New Zealand with thousands coming to Jesus Christ. Chapman's ministry eventually affected Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday worked for a brief time as Chapman's assistant. Billy Sunday was one of the greatest evangelists of the first two decades of the 20th century, preaching face-to-face to more than a 100 million people, seeing hundreds of thousands make a decision to accept Jesus Christ. He also combated drunkenness, perhaps like uh, unlike any other evangelist, nearly putting bars in the area in which he ministered out of business. Billy Sunday's ministry eventually led Mordecai Ham to come to Charlotte, North Carolina in 1934 to hold revival meetings. Mordecai Ham saw more than 300,000 sinners come to Jesus Christ for salvation. In 1934, Mordecai Ham watched as young Billy Graham walked the aisle in one of his services to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. Of course, Billy Graham uh, is perhaps the most effective evangelist of all time, preaching Jesus Christ to live audiences of nearly 215 million people in more than 185 countries and territories around the world and reaching hundreds of millions more through television, radio, and other ministry media outlets. Listen to this. Without ever leaving his Sunday school classroom, Edward Kimball won vast multitudes of souls to Jesus Christ. And I believe all the souls won by Moody, Chapman, Sunday, Ham, and Graham will, at least in part, be credited to Edward Kimball's soul, uh, soul winner's crown. Imagine the level of glory Edward Kimball will experience for eternity. Edward Kimball was wise. He won one soul to Jesus Christ, and he did it without ever leaving his classroom. My God, my God, I'm speaking by the Holy Ghost. My God, we ought to have a list a mile long for people beating one another away, trying to get in to work in the children's church, trying to get in to work in the children's church. My God, we stand up here and we beg people, oh, won't you please serve in the children's church? Won't you please serve in the children? Won't you please serve in the children's church? And we have the re- and the silence. My God, it's deafening. No, we will not serve. We won't serve. No. No. We won't serve. We won't serve in the children's church. No. And we beg and we plead and we plead and we beg. My God, we need help. No. My God, what if Edward Kimball, I'm under the anointing now. I don't give a rip what anybody thinks. What if Edward Kimball would have said no? Think of all the countless multitudes that would have went to hell. 
My God, I trust the Holy Ghost is stirring you. I've learned this a long time ago. That I can stand up here under the anointing of God. And I can pound the podium. And I can under the anointing. But unless you let the Holy Ghost move upon you, nothing will change. That's one reason I don't say hardly anything about tithing and giving. Because, you know, I say a little about it. But I sometimes the anointing comes on me and I say something. But unless the Holy Ghost moves on you, nothing's ever going to change. But my God, we ought to have people standing in line trying to get into those children's church and work in the children's church because that is one of the greatest soul winning fields you could ever go into. You go into, yeah, but it, there, you know, my God, what about Dwight Moody? Who would have ever thought he was going to grow up and become what he became and all the people that he was going to influence and it led all the way down to Billy Graham? My God, are you hearing what I'm, how many, you hearing what I'm saying? Those children are precious. They're, they're precious. They're precious. And we got to stand up here and beg and beg and beg and beg. My God. God, let the Holy Ghost get off on you. Let the Holy Ghost stir in you. I'm not taking none of this back. I'm under the anointing of God. Some of you people, you've heard the Word of God. You, you've got so much Word in you. My God, we ought to have people standing in line, getting in fights because I want to be in the children. No, I want to be in the No, I want to be in the I want to be in My God, that's what ought to be happening. Can anybody say Amen. Oh my God, Holy Ghost, may the convicting power that you have fall upon these people and stir in their hearts that they might rise up and become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and that they would sign up and get involved to work in the children's church. One of the most noble things that could ever be done for Almighty God. And that may the anointing of God come on them and that they might share the Lord Jesus Christ with a little toddler that comes in and that they get saved and your hand comes upon them and they go out and they reach multitudes for Jesus. My God, stand with me if you would. My God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. The churches in this land could use a little preaching like what I just did right now. My God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I want to first say this. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to plead with you right now that when we dismiss this service in just minutes from now, Come forward. Walk forward. There'll be some men and women standing up here in front. I'm calling you to Jesus today. I'm calling you to Christ today. Don't leave this room until you know where you stand with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible never promises us a tomorrow. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. You need to come today. You need to come to Christ today. If you're in this room and you have never 
given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm standing here under the anointing of God and I'm calling you to Jesus Christ. He'll change your life. He'll break that drug addiction that has kept you bound. He'll break that thing off of you. That sex, that, that sex, that illicit sex. He'll break the power of that thing. Those cigarettes that you've been struggling with. He'll break the power. He can break the power of alcohol. He can break the power of alcohol. In a moment's time, I call you to Jesus today. Do not leave this place. Until you've made a decision in your heart for the Lord Jesus Christ. I call you forward in just a few moments. If you don't know Jesus, you come today. You walk the aisles and come to Christ. Give Him your life. I'm not asking you to come say some mamby-jamby little old prayer and then you go on, live however you want. I'm calling you to walk these aisles and you sell your heart out to the Lord Jesus Christ. And then once you've done that, they'll pray that prayer with you. And then because you've sold your life out, that prayer will mean something and you'll get born again. You'll become a new creature in Christ Jesus. And He'll give you power to live your life. And He'll give you victory in your life. He'll give you power over sin, sickness, disease and the devil and you'll be able to enjoy the joy of the Lord and then one day you'll miss hell and make heaven it's a wonderful deal you need to get in on it before you leave here today now I'm talking to Christians now with heads bowed and eyes closed heads bowed and eyes closed the spirit of God came on me here at the end of this message I got very bold I do not apologize for it and I take nothing back But like I said a while ago, it won't mean anything if you don't let the Holy Ghost blow upon you and stir in your heart. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm just talking now to Christians. I want to ask you a question today. Are you really following Jesus? Are you really following the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you really following Him? How can you know if you're following Him? You're endeavoring to win somebody to Jesus. This is something we all need to examine ourselves in. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want you to examine yourself today. I'm examining myself. I need to do better in this area. There's more I could do. There's more I could do. And I need to do better individually. Individually. We've done pretty good as a church, as far as a church in in missions. I'm talking about my everyday life. I could do more. I could do better. Judge yourself. If there's more you could do, then judge yourself right now and repent right where you stand. I believe it's, I would go so far as to say that it's a sin not to share Jesus with somebody else. How do you prove that? The Bible says for him to know to do good and not do it to him, it is sin. So it'd be a sin not to share Jesus. If we haven't been doing that, then let's repent of our sins right now. Repent right where you are and make a commitment to God that you're going to do a better job telling people about the Lord Jesus Christ. And Holy Ghost, I ask you convict these people. I stand on that. Convict them. Convict. Move upon their hearts. Breathe upon these words that I've spoken and upon this prayer that I prayed. Oh, Heavenly Father, we trust that our children's church will fill up with workers. And that we'll not have a need in that area again. Oh God, that we won't have to stand here and beg people to do such a valiant work. But that things will change from this hour forth. In the name of Jesus.
Let's say, Heavenly Father, I come before you in the name of Jesus. And I ask you to use me. And I'll cooperate with you. And I'll share Jesus with people. Everywhere I go, I'll become all things to all men. That I might be able to win some. In Jesus' name, I commit myself from this hour forth. Amen. Now, greet three or four people. Love on them. You're dismissed.